0: Uh, almost nine years ago, I was in my first, years, in my first year in pastoral ministry, what? Well, it was 2011. I was in a direct way to destroy my marriage and obviously my ministry uh, because nobody told me how to be a pastor and a dad and a husband and, a, and, and, and everything that a pastor that is kind of starting his first year in ministry does. So uh, when I went into a pastor's conference in Minneapolis, I get aware of these uh, pastors who care for pastors. Uh, So uh, he he was at the Sovereign God Conference. And for the first time I heard that John Piper in that moment has a pastor upon him that asked the tough questions to Noel, his wife, to, hey, Noel, do you feel loved by John? And for me, for me as Latin American pastor was like, what? Like, is that kind of, is that real? Because in Latin America, at least, the the pastor is the capo of the cartel. Like like you're the top dog. Like you don't have nobody upon you. Sometimes even the Holy Spirit is not upon you. So so uh like but for my soul he's like, man, you need this. So when I came back, I emailed this Hispanic pastor and he's like, hey, can you tell me more? Like how how does this looks in the real life?
1: Hi, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 248. My name is Mike Neglia, and the voice that you just heard is that of Pastor Kike Torres. He serves as lead pastor of Horizonte Quiretaro since 2011, and I hope I pronounced that right. I am not a Spanish speaker. He also is the founder of the Calvary Chapel School of Ministry and also the Biblical Counseling Center. He's a writer for the Gospel Coalition and the founder and president of the Biblical Counseling Coalition in Mexico. So he's been on the show before, and I do hope that you follow the link in the show notes and listen to his earlier episode, which was fantastic. I had to get him back on to speak more about maybe the differences between the Preacher's pulpit and the counselor's couch. And essentially, what are the strengths and opportunities, both of the preaching ministry and then also the one-on-one counseling ministry that he believes all pastors should be involved in both. And so I'm going to let him speak for himself. He's a a wonderful man. I've learned a lot from him. And I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation that I got to have with Kike Torres. Well, hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. I'm so glad to welcome back uh, Pastor Kike Torres. Welcome back. Hey, Mike. Happy to be here. Yeah, so we spoke, or the last time we spoke was like June of 2021, and it's been more than a year. It's been overdue, and glad to have you back. I, I'm so
0: excited. Uh, I, I heard some so great news and comments about the episode that we ate together, even from Brian, that was kind of, a hey, was a great cha- episode. So I'm, I'm super happy and excited to, to keep talking about uh, the important thing of the healthy soul of the pastor. And 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 these kind of inner things that we mostly, like you know, every pastors go to conferences, you know, doctrine and you know, hermeneutics and strategic. And but kind, there's no so many episodes or
1: sources of how to care for your soul. Yeah. And, you know, this this podcast, this ministry, actually, it kind of is one of those things. Like we want to like help people preach better. We want to give people the nuts and bolts and the we want young and new preachers to improve in their Christ-centered biblical exposition. However, I just love, you know, I, I got you on the show to talk about preaching and you just like totally like, overcame me and like did some like kung fu moves and we were talking about like emotional mental health the whole time instead and and I loved it and it was so good and I yeah like you and I both got such great um feedback from that and I have a feeling it really helped some people and want to continue the conversation and Thanks listen, for what you're doing man you're a good preacher too I just want to throw that out there but <laughs> we're not talking about that today. (laughs) So the last time that you were on the show, we, we did talk about, um, you know, kind of burnout related issues and the importance of, um, how God calls us to, to intimacy and not activity. You talked about things like the, the vitality, the necessariness of like being with God instead of just doing things for God. That was really good. I, you know, there'll be a link in the show notes for those who want to hear more of that. And we were going to talk about, um, uh, biblical counseling and we ran out of time. So this is what we're talking about now. So why don't you explain your role? I know that you started the Bible Counseling Coalition. Um, what's, what's all that about? Uh, yeah, I, I'm a board member of the Biblical Counseling
0: Coalition that is this kind of global network of kind of the main voices on biblical counseling of each tribe that we have these big thing in common that we believe in the supremacy of the Bible we believe in the, in the pastors are called to not do the counseling, but train a church on being this environment that practice this one to each other in the Bible, the New Testament that is so so kind of um, mentioned by Paul in his letters that uh, like to avoid the danger of becoming these pastor-centric churches that if you need help, you, need, you only can talk with the pastor and really train your people on being this kind of, um, oasis of hope and word uh, that are practicing this. Uh, yeah, you know, like one to each other, love one to each other, forgive, like confess. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that's that's a heart of that that we have. Uh, for me, it, the kind of the um, I get into applied counseling as as a counselor uh, hmm, almost okay. nine years ago. I was in my first year in my first year during pastoral ministry what well, It was 2011. I was in a direct way to destroy my marriage and obviously my ministry, Uh, because nobody told me how to be a pastor and a dad and a husband and 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 everything that a pastor that is kind of starting his first year ministry does. So uh, when I went into a pastors' conference in Minneapolis, I get aware of these uh, pastors who care for pastors. Uh, so, uh, he, he was at the sovereign God conference. And for the first time I heard that John Piper in that moment has a pastor upon him that asked the tough questions to Noel, his wife, to, Hey, Noel, I, I, do you feel loved by John? And for me, for me as Latin American pastor was like, what? Like, is that kind of, is that real? Because in Latin America, at least the, the pastor is the couple of the cartel. Like like you're the top dog. Like you don't have nobody upon you. Sometimes even the Holy Spirit is not upon you. So so uh like but for my soul, it's like, man, you need this. So when I came back, I emailed this Hispanic pastor and he's like, Hey, can you tell me more? Like how how does this look in the real life? And basically he told me and I asked him for help. So he we start this once a week meeting with my wife and him and me. Uh, and for me, I wasn't aware that it was biblical counseling. For me, it was a pastor helping a pastor to navigate this. But after three months that we kind of stabilized the ship, he's like, hey, KK, you need to come to Indianapolis with me. Uh, uh, you need to know a guy that is crazy like you. And that guy was Steve Byers, the pastor of faith church in in, in Lafayette, Indiana. Um, and, and for the first time I heard the term biblical counseling on these uh, we need to develop a church that is aware that it 's not about the pastor and the pastor doesn 't have all the answers, mm. but his call is to train other people that will give you the same answer from the scripture so uh for me, that was like the main like large American needs it so since then i I started kind of getting trained now i'm a certified counselor uh through a c b c uh and we host every November the biggest um Big, uh biblical counseling conference in Latin America. That we train around two hundred and eighty different churches, pastors, leaders, and people that comes every year to get trained in foundations. That is the basic how to do biblical counseling. Why we do it? What's the what's the goal? What's the way? What's the what's the hope that we bring? And what's the you know the inner motive that we are kind of looking after this? And uh, uh, an updated conference that every year is different. For some of this year, we're dealing with abortion. How to consult people that are considering or that was forced to abort? Do uh, an abortion? Uh, like grieving. Uh, for me, it's sad. Uh, churches, <laughs> churches are clueless how to consult someone that is grieving. And in this COVID and post-COVID yeah. season, that mostly like uh, most people lose a uh, person through it. Uh, you know, we need to have more than First Thessalonians four. Mm. Uh, Hmm. Don't, don't be sad as a world, but so, so we're, we're bringing out what pastor that lost his wife last October through cancer and deep upgrade you from, um, uh, Washington that is teaching the churches how to use the Bible to bring hope and walk the grieving process with a, with a person. So that is basically how I get into it and what we're doing on. We have a, a biblical counseling center that is free to community. Uh, we have around 45 people trained in biblical counseling that offers free counseling to the community. So uh, it's in COVID season was the 50% of the people that comes to church through the, uh, the COVID in the incoming season was through the biblical counseling center. Uh, because they are, were with depression, anxiety, panic attacks. Uh, so it's like they, they can uh, ask for the counseling online. Uh, eventually, you know, first, second session. One of the homework is, hey, come to one of our services, and um, you need to bring me three things that you understand from the message. And eventually, family is coming. So for me, biblical counseling is uh, just not an excuse to do discipleship because it's ministering the word one on one, but a
1: great excuse to do evangelism. Wow, wow, okay. Thank you so much for that, like starting with like deep into your own life and, you know, the challenge of that first year of ministry and and bringing us all the way up until 2021 and the way that the Lord has used that. I, I may have oversold it where I said you started the, the Bible Counseling Coalition, but it sounds like you, you're you the one who brought it to Mexico or brought it to Latin America. Yep. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, well, thank you for doing that. Um, I, I'm not Latin American, but I'm just so glad to hear about like, Making inroads into um, that com- your community and the benefits that are that are coming from that. Yeah. Okay. So here's here's a question. Now I, I said earlier on we're not going to talk about preaching that much. I, I, I lied. Um. So so you're <laughs> talking about like the Bible, the truth of the Bible being applied, kind of one on one, almost in these like I, you call them either like discipleship or evangelistic opportunities. So my kind of question is, and hope is maybe maybe an easy one, like why isn't the pulpit good enough? Like, why, why do we need one-on-one opportunities to talk with people when sermons already exist, you know? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And actually,
0: with some of my Calvary Chapel churches uh, here in Mexico, we have that kind of tension uh, uh, because uh, is the question is why the pulpit is not enough? The question is why we don't see the big opportunity that we have to do this ministry, discipleship, discipleship ministry one-on-one that the biblical counseling allow us to have. For I always say to the pastor, like if, if you see Jesus' ministry, he preached to multitudes and he had these one-on-ones conversations based on questions, based on that like, giving time, like, like that's, that's work. Like, yeah, uh, I, I'm super sad because one of the biggest excuses that pastors, um, pastor's wife did to, or are giving to not do biblical counseling is like, oh, but that's, that's so much work. Uh, that's time consuming. And for me, it's like, like, dude, like people are, you calling? Like, like, like that's it. like, even in Calvary Chapel, we have this kind of, uh, every pastor needs to a smell like a sheep, like what's, what's, what bigger opportunity you have to smell like a sheep, not just paring and having dinners and, and lunch, but really working with your sheep in the crisis. And, and mm-hmm. I'm pointing them to the biggest hope that we have in the scripture and in the gospel. So, um, it's not that why isn't the pulpit enough? The pulpit should point to the scripture. But for me, in, like, at least in my case, when, at, when I was, uh, my first year's, um, training training Biblical counseling. I, I preach and you know, as average I came down from the pulpit to say hi to the people. And a, a young lady comes to me and she's like, hey pastor, uh, can I talk to you? I'm like, sure. Uh and and uh, you know, I, I I was thinking, oh, she will, I not know, talking about fornication, having sex or whatever, he found his boyfriends, is looking for with pornography, wherever. Or, you know, parents issue. But she basically uh showed me her arm and she was like cutting, yeah. And, okay. for, and for me was like, wow, like I, I cannot relate with the cutting act. Yeah. But I was in my first year on, on training, but I can relate with the heart that produced that kind of damage. So so for me, there's and now we have panic attacks, and now we have eating disorders, now we have depression in a in a clinical even kind of perspective. So for me, it's it's not that the pulpit isn't enough, it's the pulpit needs to point and preach if we are faithful in an expository preaching. The the number of times that Paul shares and emphasizes about this one to each other in the Bible, Mm -hmm. we are kind of not being faithful as pastors to preach that, hey, my preaching is enough and you have the Bible and the Holy Spirit with you, that's enough for you, you're by your own, you need to fix yourself with that. When the Bible says that it, there are burdens that we need to care f- with f- with one another, so uh, uh, there's seen that we need to confess to be healed.
1: In James says that, so if we need to be faithful to that, not just to yeah. the air, but to, uh, he imagines like there's a person, there's a there's a confessor, uh, uh,
0: uh, and even in James, it's super clear that 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 uh, person related to prayer. It's like pray one to each other, confessing sin sing one to each other, and be healed. So there's so many men and marriages and even pastors that are sick in their soul because they are thrown alone by their own strength, uh, along with the Lord, because that's enough. And if you believe in the God of the Bible, he says that it's not enough, that you need one to each other, and we need, like, we need us. <laughs> we, we need, like, brothers, like, uh, in arms, we you need know, we need these kind of partners, uh, and every pastor, for at least at my and my perspective, needs needs a sheep that he's trained, needs a, a, an equal like in your church. We, like we believe in the plurality that we need. Uh, Titus says that hey, we name pastors in the every city that you have are, and obviously we 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 want we, we believe in this kind of being one. Between the pastors and the, the the responsibility that the lead pastor has, but you need to have that equals that stick true to your life that really knows you, because some some of the relationships that mentors bring, a lot of them are at distance. But you need a pastor that walk with you, that listens to your preaching, that knows your wife, that like cares about your sons, that like hey, like your sons has this attitude. Like, is there anything that I can share with you? Pray with you. Uh, uh, and obviously a big brothers or mentors that cares for you. And that's this kind of, I, I want to grow to be like that in Christ. One of my biggest fears, I, I just talked to a pastor uh, on Saturday and he left a, a, a denomination because the elite boys was in such a disorder in his morality and marriage and family that it's, it's, it was a time that he's like, I don't want to grow to have a marriage like that. I don't want to grow to have my children behaving like his children. Uh, so that's, that, in an integrity level, we need to be the first that show the church that we are vulnerable, that we have people that speak like a truth in love to our lives, and that we don't know it all, and that we need the body of Christ. If not, we are condemning our churches to fight a fight that they are doomed to lose because it's not fight in the, with the
1: weapons of it that our warfare brings us, bring to us into the scriptures. So that conversation that you had on, on Saturday, we can't get into all the details. Don't worry, I'm not gonna probe too much. But, but so he's leaving a denomination because the the life of the leader is showing that there's something that's unhealthy there. So- He lived like seven years ago. Yeah.
0: He, he, he stayed faithful 30 okay. something years. Yeah. Loyal to the calling, loyal to, yeah. loyal to the vision. But when his uh, son and daughter start to grow up and he started like, he, he saying it in a really nice way. He said it in, he's like, for me, the, you know, the, the point, the break point was when the Bible says something is green and I see it green and you telling me that it's not green, it's red. And you're consistent with that idea and try to tell me that it's red. When the Bible and I see it that it's green, uh, I cannot walk with you anymore. You know, Amos, yeah. I think said yeah. that we can not walk together if we are disagreeing. So, I sure agree, and yeah. and, they, and I, I, I know two pastors that come from that movement or denomination and the both of them, when I asked, like, hey, what advice you will give this guy if you had the opportunity 30 years ago? And the both of them, the same answer is like, be accountable to someone truly. Like, like don't don't become and it's sad because as Mexican I really understand because our leadership model that we have from government from army from is like from even from 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 the drug dealer cartels is like you are the top dog you don't have you don't you don't do accountability with no one yeah and that's not the biblical way to do it even even Peter was called to accountability by Paul with with some lack of integrity. So if Peter and Paul had that, unless you're more spiritual than Peter and Paul, I think, I think we, know, we, we
1: know we need that in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, the lifestyle really is kind of unhinging the the good through that man's, through that man's life. You know, we talk about language of like a uh, character and competency. So I'm sure you had a lot of competency, but then lacking the character or yep. yeah, certain like maybe a, an irrevocable gifting, but then the lack of, of the follow startling and alarming words and worthwhile for us to, to hear. Now, hmm. now jumping from that to you know, going back to your first year of biblical counseling training, you spoke about how you you preached a sermon. You came down; uh, a woman came up to you, and she showed you her her arm, which is kind of physical evidence of a lot of internal suffering. That um, I guess here's my question: so someone is listening to this and then and thinking like, "Hey, I wonder what he said." And then maybe the next question is, "What should I say if that happens? If that happens to me now?" <laughs> Any any hints, any tips for for the rest of us that are maybe imagining for sure. that circumstance? I, I want to start with what not to say. Mm. Please
0: don't send them to psychologists and psychiatrists. Like, please don't do that as your first call. Like, like stop being this kind of leader of church that when something that, that the world says that is a mental issue, a mental health issue, you send it. I, if God is bringing to your church, your are sure your church should be that oasis of grace and truth and hope that has, that has people trained to work with this lady. So stop like sending her back to the world to get their answers if God is bringing it to your church to get the answers. And if you're a faithful pastor, you believe that the word is sufficient. Even that's attention. tension. You are saying that the pulpit is, is enough because the Bible is enough. So if the Bible is enough, why you're sending people to the world to get their answer and help and be healed. So we need to be equipped on that. So that's, that's what's not to do in, the, in, the, in the, your first answer. The thing that I said to her, and, and even that's, that's the hope that we're bringing, is like, okay, I cannot connect with the act of coding, but I can connect with the heart. Like Jesus says, from where these kind of act, sinful actions come, is not from your heart. So the heart issue <laughs> is the heart of the issue. So so based, based on that, we, we need to connect first, not with, oh, stop cutting Like, hey, don't sure. do it. Like, knock give enough. up that. Like, yeah, stop, it. Like, stop it, again, it, up, knock, knock. it, It's not like an action uh, issue, it's an, an affection issue. What are you not having in Christ? Probably because you don't know him, That is kind of, uh, seeing like publicly in that you're cutting yourself, you're damaging yourself. Look, and and basically like, that's a a session that we need. Like, uh, there's a fur that needs to feel like that they're like living. Like that's the way, like, like playing uh, is not the right word. We're playing with death and life. Like seeing the blood kind of comes out your, your, or your body, that's Make you feel that like you're living yeah so so again, I cannot connect because I never caught myself on purpose, but I do some damage to my body because I was in a dysfunction in my heart, believing that some act will bring me the the peace, the joy, the pleasure, the identity, the you know the real you know the this kind of successful that I for example, I, I, as we mentioned before, I, I never cut myself on purpose, but I, I'm damaging my body on purpose, like, you know, having a bad diet, having a bad sleep, have, like, like promoting a burnout uh, environment and, and status in my life. That's the same damage that I'm bringing to my body. Probably I, I'm not bleeding, but I'm going to damage my heart, my brain, uh, as we mentioned in the burnout uh, issue of pastors. A lot of pastors and, and in Calvary we had we, we just yesterday I was talking with a a, people, a couple in my church that was part of Calvary Chapel for Lord Day when Bob Coyce was there, that great guy man, one of the best teachers of the movement, one of the biggest church that we had in, in, in the in Calvary family and and related to that sinful activity that she get into it, a lot of the pastors in in other movements too that follow. In acts that 10 years ago, they will kind of promise that I will never do that is because when you are not caring of your body, your the front part of your brain shut down. And that's the part that allow you to respond quickly, to improvise, to, you know, uh, make quick decisions. So a lot of the decisions that you're making to damage you and your ministry, your family is not kind of uh just spiritual it's like based on a not caring of yourself that allow this part of your brain to be shut down and uh, you're you, you are not equipped to answer in a better way. you are just go on the self destruction kind of mentality or or way of living so there's so many levels on okay, I don't cut myself, but I'm damaging myself too so I can relate it because if I don't love God and love others as is the basic <laughs> the basic two. uh loss, uh, kind of important. Uh, so uh, I, I will commit things that will attempt to into my life, into my me- marriage, and even into my ministry. So that's a, a good way to connect. Like, hey, let's walk and let's let's know God together in a way that He will tell you how much how how much He loves you, how 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 what He says you are, because nobody can tell you who you are. If, like, not even you. Just the one who created you, so uh, so the same happened with addiction, like a hey, uh, something with alcohol or wherever. Like I'm, am I'm an alcoholic. You are or you was, because if you if you if you are and you are in Christ, you have a misconception or your or your identity because you're not an a, an atheist. You're not an addict. You're a redeemed guy who struggled with the, with this assignment. So that's. Like based on the identity that you have, that will kind of connect with every action that you make. So it's work with the people to, to reorient it, the, the affections and the actions that they have in a way that his life produced the, the result of the inner life of Jesus living through them. Uh, that's, a, the, that's basically the goal on discipleship and biblical counseling.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, again, thanks thanks for that. I yeah, I I appreciate okay. it. I pivot a little bit. So I asked about like what are the the limitations of the pulpit for life change. Now, let's ask the opposite. What are the limitations of counseling? What's what's so if the pulpit is a bit of furniture that has strengths and limitations, what about the couch? The couch probably also has strengths and limitations. Why why do they need each other? Uh because as we mentioned, we, we train churches to
0: be environments of biblical counseling, grace, hope, and gospel. Uh, so the biblical counselor needs the pastor and the pulpit to be that voice from God to the community of like the, the fellowship of believers uh, and allow me, for example, if I'm not a public speaking guy uh, to have this voice that kind reinforce that what we are seeing one-in-one. Uh, in a way that connects with the community. So the limitations from the biblical Council is that it ends always on bringing the person to a healthy relationship with Christ and a healthy relationship with the body of Christ. So eventually, the graduation of the process uh. is seeing the person walking with the Lord by Himself and with the body of Christ as a community, uh, in a way that that will protect them of falling again or will keep him kind of will keep it this kind of ignition, if we can say it, uh life in a way that they know how to respond. They know even what to do when they kind of fall. Uh they they don't run from God, but run to God and to his fellowship. And and um so that's that's a limitation that we have because that's the difference between biblical counseling and Christian counseling. Like we're not therapists. We are disciple makers so our goal is not to make a person functional and living happy but uh, help the person to know God and to make God known to others through the inner life of Jesus through them in the community of Christ and outside the church so based on that that's one limitation the only limitation that we have is nowadays with some issues that are uh, truly mental issues, mental health issues. There are some things, pornography, a lot of drugs, m- marijuana, uh, and now uh, mobile devices that affects truly the connection that we have in our brains. So that, that that's a level of damage that the person can bring to the session that you need to pray. I have some doctors. I pray, I, now I pray for a guy from Guadalajara that it's finishing his psychiatric, like, to be a psychiatric, like, uh, so uh, to, to bring, him, bring him here, to even, like, make a partnership with him to can use one of our biblical counseling offices to practice, because I pray to have these doctors in Christ working with the church on medication to allow this person to be mentally ready to walk the process of discipleship. Because a lot of them, they cannot put attention more than three minutes to something. They are kind of, you know, deficit attention disorder. A, 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 it's not like a discipleship thing that you need to, you know, discipline yourself. No, their brain is damaged. So there's a way, and thank God that our God is a great designer. Uh, in Romans 12, he said, like, uh, you know, change your mindset. Uh, so that person allows us to know that God is creating our mind. To be changed. Uh, so even physically speaking, uh, for example, uh, I, I studied that for my first book. Uh, we says that you create an habit in 21 days. In reality, you need 53 days to recreate connections in your brain that allow you to respond in a different way. Mm, okay. So uh, based on that, That's a process that's not just a sermon or just a session. Sure. There's some cases that you will need three to six months working with the person and his family and a limitation that you can have is like, if the person is like, you know, long time addict to a drug that is destroying his brain or porn addiction that it affects, uh, porn affects the same area in the brain that affects heroin. Uh, that's why you cannot stop watching it. Uh. And now, mobile devices that it become addicted, uh, you need to have that kind of collaboration with a medical guy to help you walk walk the doses, to help you, you know, less the doses when the people are getting better. Uh, You know, have this community and partnership with people that allow you to break through that limitation and really love the people well.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, now, in our, our final few minutes of this conversation, I kind of have two more questions that, that are connected to each other. So it seems that you, you think that counselors, sorry, that pastors should, should be counselors. Let's say not, not the only counselors in the church, you want the whole church to be equipped mm-hmm. to this, but pastors should, should be counselors. And then also you would say that pastors should have counselors. Um, how do you see those two things interplaying? What do you think is the biggest need for, for the church? Let's just say Latin American church. I don't know. I don't know what our numbers are in uh, in America, but like, do you think that there's more of a need for pastors to take on the responsibility of shepherding or individual contact? Or do you think there's more of a need for pastors to seek out, you know, to not be the top man of the cartel, to use your language, but to, to allow, find an older brother to learn from, submit to, be held accountable with.
0: Um. That's a great question. Uh, you cannot export what you wasn't import. Uh, so that's a great thing that I learned uh, these last three years. We love as pastors to read a book and then we do a conference about it. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, short so, turnaround sometimes, yeah.
0: So, so uh, it, it, it is great to find a, a biblical counselor. I, I always said like, you're going to go to the hospital. You're, you just need to decide if you are going through an appointment to a checkup. Or through emergency room, but that the the, the thing that you are going to enter, you are going to enter. So uh, it's great to just find a counselor, uh, like the probably the best is a certified counselor that has been proved that he's faithful to the scriptures and that someone supervise him uh, to walk any issue, just to just to walk the way, just to walk the path, just to be aware of how you may question, be trained on that on that. And start kind of bringing your leaders to you, on, hey, let's walk this together. Hey, I see this kind of potential danger on you. Let's pray. Let us meet. Let's, uh, for example, when I start, I took two men of the church, and one week I met with them, and the other week I met with their wives. So it was one one on one, and then two on one. Like, mm. and then uh, like that. Was, that was the 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 pace that we had, just just to see fruit on them that the people can see too, and ask them, hey. Why are you are living differently? And they like I'm walking this process with the pastor that. Uh, so you know, don't sell it as biblical counseling.
1: Okay, yeah,
0: it's like a natural fruit of walking together at, at yeah. the beginning. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, for those, that's the way. Like like find a counselor, like walk the path, like learn the ways, uh, so you can reproduce it. Not just reading, listen for, to on, on an episode on on this podcast, and then <laughs> yeah, not not really, really. Uh, there's some great trainings there. ACBC is a great website to, to find training centers and, uh, to be aware of that, um uh, their side is like, yeah, everyone, every pastor needs, uh, to be, and uh, to have a counselor just because it's what attribute of our Lord, Isaiah, Isaiah, uh, 9, 6 says, uh, beloved, like counselor, that's an attribute of our Lord. And so uh, is we, uh, uh, as we are a kind of shepherds, counselor is another attribute that we have the opportunity to practice and to reflect to our people. So. Uh, you need to have one and uh, to be one for, for people. Um,
1: and yeah, that, I don't know if that basically answered the question. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks very much. Okay. Here's, here's maybe a final, very practical question. Okay. So someone, someone is listening and they're thinking, okay, yeah, yeah, I should have a counselor. I should see a counselor. And they go to acbc.com and there's nobody in their area. What now?
0: The ACBC has online counseling. Okay. Uh, so you, you, can, you can put your zip code and they will kind of give you the list of counselors that they do in person and online. Yeah. Uh, I, I love what Calvary Chapel has been doing since, uh, I don't know, like five years, I think, uh, that they kind of, uh, and, and, and Brian has been so intentional on bringing this pastor carry to the table. Uh, I, I, I really respect that and honor that. Actually, a a big planting church movement is looking after me to be this kind of pastor care for their planters in the Hispanic community Hmm. because they they are kind of being aware of, hey, we need this. Our pastors are fighting alone. We are not uh, equipped to do it. Uh, So I really respect that. What what Ryan has been kind of pushing into conversation, hey, we need to be aware of the, or the pastor or care that our pastors need. So these is some opportunities that you, you. I always say like if, if you are walking alone, it's just because you want to walk alone, because mm, this mm. is the resources you have. This is the person that you have able to. So um, that's a, a good, a good, a good uh, site to uh, like biblical counseling. Coalition is or is another website to probably you you can check it out uh, and 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 then pray and get involved. For, for example, for me, it it was not searching, it was like asking for a, for a, for help. And then my counselor invited me to be trained by that. So uh, there are so many ways to get connected uh, by, you know, by academic reading. Oh, I, I think I need this in my church. I, th- I think I need to be equipped on this. For example, in in the perspective I have, Mike, I just told that to around 200 pastors this June. I think in the next 15 years, the churches that will prosper will be that the ch- the churches that has a three emphasis in a three things. Obviously, preaching faithful the Bible sure. in a gospel you know sharing way. Second, have a kids ministry that it's attracted to the community because uh, in the way that we are in the world that we are in, in in social media getting and selling trash in social media cartoons movies and that. People will look after some place that educate their their kids in a healthy, you know, moral, uh, God exalting, mm. religious, whatever way. So yeah. having a kids ministry that is attracting the community that will be another. And the third one is uh, churches that will have a place for the mental issue crisis can come and have answers. Because because getting help on that will be more expensive each time because that will be kind of a tendency that the the the, the stat says that uh, depression and anxiety will be the, the, you know, the sickness of the year 2025. Yeah, okay. But because COVID, that comes early. Hmm. So hmm. people, I, I, and the danger with that is that you're going to the doctor with depression or anxiety, they will give you pills. The thing that they are not telling you is that the fields will suppress emotion, uh, the sensation that you have. And if you are, you have your sensations and emotions suppressed, you don't feel fear. You don't feel bad for everything. Hmm. You you don't have conscience. And nine of every 10, you know, these crazy guys that go into schools and shoot people and that are under medication. Because, but, but they're doing that because they don't have any conscience that says, hey, this is bad. They suppress that. And in in the, with the goal of suppress the bad feeling that you have, they suppress all feeling and they are putting you in a direction that will be super dangerous for your soul and for your family mm. and for yourself. So, mm. uh, so that's the third issue that I think that you know, the church is equipped and ready and promote themselves in the community. Like, hey. There's a we'll we have a conference about anxiety. Hey, we'll have a conference about panic attacks. Hey, we'll have a conference about depression, mm, domestic violence, addictions. The, that will be one of the biggest evangelistic opportunities that church will have in the years to come.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Uh, yeah, two two quick thoughts. First off, uh, uh, you said this. Let me just be be. Let me repeat what you said in a in <laughs> so you're saying nine out of 10 mass shooters were on these medications. You aren't saying that nine out of 10 people who take these medications will become mass shooters. Right. Right. All right. Obviously just Thanks. let me just, let me Thanks just for put the a, clarification, me, Yeah. no, it wasn't necessary, but I just felt, you know what, I'm just going to just say that again. Um, and then, and then secondly, yeah, like, uh, that, that, let's say um, felt need of our communities is going to be around and currently is around these mental health issues. And, you know, we actually have like some good answers, you know, in this book and, and through the spirit of, of God. And, maybe in previous generations, like you mentioned childcare in previous generations, what was a big quote unquote selling point for churches is that like, Hey, we're going to do a vacation Bible school or, Hey, we'll, you could drop your kids off. We have free childcare. And that's what like, maybe a certain generation of parents was like, Oh, that our biggest need is to have somebody to watch our kids for, you know, a couple of days or this or that. And I think maybe now we're in a stage where it's like, our greatest need is like, Helping me with this crippling anxiety, or allowing me to have a bit of hope in this like this desolate hellscape that I'm living in, and and mm-hmm. then we have that, and so maybe moving that from like the behind the scenes quietness secrecy to be like, hey, listen, everyone's messed up, and the Lord's at work in us, and we'd love to help you in this as well too. Yeah, that the glory of, uh, of of the Bible that we believe in is, uh, and um, if you
0: can prefer it. my my second book will be really launched in November. In a month, and it's about depression and anxiety. Ah, and wait, hang on—is it—is it it in English? No, it is, but I will—I will talk to Harper Collins to (laughs) to look somewhat to help translate it into English. Uh, But it—it basically uh, one of the great news that we have is that, for example, the Bible is full of emotions and full of these kind of symptoms of mental issues that the people are having right now. You see a David saying like, when Lord, when I, my, my diet is based on my tears. So yeah. you you see these kind of like moments in the Bible. You see an Elijah and Jonah basically with suicidal depression. Yeah. Like, Hey, take my life, Lord. That that's not, a, if you consider Elijah, there's no registration of what prayer that Elijah made that God didn't answer. He's a prayer guy in the Old Testament. And mm, basically mm. he's praying, Lord, kill me. Mm. So man, unless you're more spiritual than Elijah and David, man, we need to walk the path and enjoy that the Bible speak to that, speak that language. Yeah. And help connect the people with that language to say, wow. So how well, long he this has been reading? Like that I yeah. can I can. I can do that in my diary, like in my journal, kind of tonight. Uh, so that 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 that's a glory for me that Rebecca Koslyk brings to the table. That you are allowed to walk the path, and, and, and if you're a pastor, one of the best experiences that you have is seeing in first row when the word of God connects.
1: Hmm. Yeah,
0: and, and even the face change. Yeah, and and so. Don't miss, don't miss, don't miss that this opportunity to to be in, in, involved, equipped, and practicing and modeling to a church because the church never will be more than the pastor. If you are not doing it and if you are not interested on in it, the church will put that in a oh, that's not priority. So we are called to model to the church what the priorities and really promote us but by example the way these kind of walking one to each other are blessing our lives.
1: Yeah, yeah, strong, strong words, strong ending. Uh, thank you so much for for this conversation. So where can people, where can our Spanish speaking listeners, where can they they get the, the book that's going to come out in November or the previous one? And how can people keep in touch with you and your ministry, Kike? Uh, uh, in, in Amazon, basically, they, they, okay. they, they search after Kike Torres with
0: K. K I K E Torres, T O R R E S. And you can order it. At, uh Cristo es mejor, that is Christ is es is a website of the church. You can uh, look after the, the YouTube channel. Even, even the podcast that we have is called Pastor Pastor. Based on this, when you're coming down of the pulpit, the people are hey, Pastor Pastor, hey, Pastor Pastor. And three questions. <laughs> so I, I, I put like the podcast Pastor Pastor. Uh, and Mike, thanks for, for what you're doing, man. I really, I really respect and honor and really yeah, I really honor the like the tons of things that you have to do and even you set a time to produce this content and resources for the for the people and, and pastors. Uh thanks for inviting me again. Uh I I will pray for you and for every listener that uh that will reach out to me and, and please feel free to contact me. My social media is at uh, Pastores Kike P A like pastor, but R E S Adair and Kike. Uh, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Uh, wherever I'm there. So, um, thanks, Mike, and thanks um,
1: the, for for the great, great a uh, resource that this podcast has been for me and for others. You're too kind. Thank you very much. And to the listeners, I hope that this episode and all that we do helps you to grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word. Thanks. Amen. Well, thanks so much, Shikike. Really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for coming back on the show once again. And you know what? I'll probably get you again sometime next year because I just enjoy speaking with you so much. And I know people like learning from you. Hey, make sure guys that you're subscribed so that every Tuesday, a new episode of this show automatically shows up in your phone or your device. You really want to do that because soon there's a big episode coming out with a lot of different voices, a lot of experienced Christmas preachers, uh, giving their advice and giving their encouragement on how to make the most of your advent and your Christmas preaching in 2022, Whether this is your first Christmas that you've ever preached or whether you've been doing this for decades and decades and you're looking for inspiration as how to keep things fresh, well, make sure you're subscribed because that super mega episode is coming out soon. All right. I hope that this episode and everything we do here at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's word.